0: When we talk or think of Maldives, tiny Maldives, remember that? Because when we mention Maldives or think about Maldives, the adjective tiny comes to our minds almost immediately or instinctively. And tiny, it literally is. It's a bunch of islands, it's a large number of islands, most of which are uninhabited. We've spoken about this earlier in at least two episodes that we've done on Maldives and its politics. Total area of all these islands together, all of the islands together, the total area is just 298 square kilometers. That is all. Of which the largest, the largest island is Male, the capital city, which is just 8.3 square kilometers. Most islands, as, as I told you, are uninhabited. So why is it so important? Why is it making such a story? And why is it? why is the fact that some Maldivian ministers tweeted critical and offensive stuff about India and India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi and also, also the fact that Maldives president is visiting China at the same time. In fact, these three people, these three junior ministers actually in a way set up, I don't know whether he would have liked it this way or not, but they set up their president, Mohamed Muizzu's visit to China which was also like rubbing the, rubbing the finger into India's eye by saying I will not come to India first although I might. my predecessors might have had very close relations with India. I am going to China first, China before India but before that he had gone to Turkey and he had gone to UAE which was a part of the climate summit so that is a little bit different. Now, why should in any case, the point we are making is why should a country of such a small size, less than 6 lakh population and so little inhabited area, why should, that, why should something happening in that country make such a news of international implications or news that gets international notice and definitely which is seen with grave concern in India. That's because of the geographical or geopolitical location of the Maldives. See where it spreads. The Maldives, the group of islands spread right down north to south they say from about 750 kilometers from the indian coast right down to the chagos group of islands which then ends up at diego garcia that's where the big american bases u.s military bases and after that there is deep Loop sea right up to antarctica so this is a very empty part of the world in a very empty part of the world any piece of real estate which is above the water is worth geostrategic gold. In fact, something a lot more valuable than, valuable than gold. Because what happens is, once you have a piece of land above the water, then 12 nautical miles around it, you have teritori- ter- territorial waters and then 222 square kilometers, you you, you you have your exclusive economic zone. Plus, all of these islands, are also like unsinkable aircraft carriers. So you can put, you may not put, you, you may not put missiles there, you may not build air bases there, you may not put you may, may not put aircraft there. But the fact is, you can put a lot of other stuff there, even if you don't militarize them actively like that. You can also militarize them in terms of communication, in terms of sensors, and things like that. That's why geostrategically, this is among the most important regions in the in the subcontinent. It is still a part of the subcontinent. Maldives was a founder member of SARC, South South Asian Association of Regional Cooperation. Now, Maldives is at the southern end of it. Maldives for the past 20-25 years, successive leaders of Maldives barring one or two, they have been improving relations with India. In fact, the relations reached their peak under the Manmohan Singh government where India gifted Maldives a couple of Helicopters, a Dornier aircraft also based a bunch of just about 70 75 at last count when they were turned out. 70 75 military personnel there almost to maintain these aircraft and systems, but India also took a lease on one tiny island. Property where they were building a station. A station could be a sensor station, could be whatever. It was almost like a build, operate, and transfer, like, like we have on our infrastructure contract. So, India was investing 15 million dollars there and building that facility there. All of this the Chinese did not like. All of it the Chinese did not like. And all of this also began to be celebrated in India, particularly since the rise of Narendra Modi's prime ministership. It began to be celebrated in India as an evidence of India's expanding geostrategic footprint. That look, India is now really in charge, and in the subcontinent, India has now emerged as the preeminent power. That is, that is why these noises which have come out of which have come, which have come out of Maldives, which could have been dismissed as just Twitter chatter. Sorry, I still can't get get myself to call this X. Twitter chatter. These could have passed in a couple of days because anything the Maldivians can do in Twitter, remember there's only 6 lakh Maldivians, anything the Maldivians can do in Twitter, Indians or even even Indians on one side of the political divide or Indians active on Twitter can do it maybe a thousand times over, maybe 10,000 times over. That's why for for 24 hours I've seen that the top trend on Twitter has been India out. Why India out? Because that was the slogan on which Mohammad Moidzo conducted his campaign and he won that election. It won that election by a good margin. Finally, in the runoff, he won 54 to 45. He got 54 percent of the vote. His rivals got about 45 percent of the vote. So he did very well, but it was almost like a single point campaign. India out. That is why that hashtag India out was trending. Now you know you know how this started. It started like most things do as in nothing because India and Maldives don't really have an issue. We don't have a forget, we don't share land borders. We don't even have a maritime borders issue because if anything, our maritime borders are very distant from each other. India and Maldives have had fr- very friendly relations in 1988. When Maldives has had many coups, uh, mostly failed. In 1988, the coup probably would have succeeded if the then-president of Maldives, Mamoun Abdul Gayoom, he, he had not had the presence of, presence of mind of escaping from his palace, such as the palace was, escaping from there, running away, away from there, but taking the handset of his cordless phone. This, remember, this is 1988, it's the pre-mobile phone era. So, he took the handset of his cordless phone, Fortunately, didn't go far enough or maybe he had strong signal in his, in, in his phone. He was there because he had the number of the prime minister's office in India stored on his phone. He called the prime minister's office, the emergency operator picked it up and he told him, look, I need, need to be saved. And that's when two IL-78s with Indian army commandos got on the way and they finally saved him. So, since then, there's been a very friendly relationship between maldives and india but at the same time as the indian as the indian influence is seen to have grown as more as more and more indian tourists have been going more and more indian celebrities have been going all of that paints in social media all of that paints in people's minds and that's where this fear of the big brother india india as the big brother the fear of the big brother we are a country of 6 lakh people that's a country of 143 crore people, right? We are a country of 6 lakh Muslims, that's a country with 20 crore Muslims, etc, etc. That small country insecurity comes in. That is what Mohammed Guizu wrote to power this time. His promises were not to revolutionize the economy or do other incredible things. His promise was simply a single point, India out. And that is the point he was also making by landing in China on his first bilateral visit just when this Tamasha was breaking out, that is on the 8th. That is on uh, that is on Monday. Now, yeah, once again, I don't know whether he is happy with this controversy. Does he think that his trip is being set up all right? Perfect. Because since his since his plank, election plank was to be anti-India and to build on anti-Indianism, this bit of anti-Indian fervor in Maldives. Now, his government has taken some action. They've suspended these ministers, they've also issued motherhood and apple pie kind of statement saying we want normal relations with India, good relations with India, etc, etc. The high commission has been summoned. Whether he's been summoned or he's coming, I don't know. Indian high, commission, Indian high Commissioner in Malay has also protested. So, I don't know whether Mohammed Moizu thinks that this actually supports his politics. I would say the chances are that he's been taken aback. Because politicians, when they, when they raise stakes so high, in a populistic way to try and get votes, they usually, once they get elected, they try to dial back. Because any leader of Maldives would know that it's impossible, okay, it's not impossible, that it it would be very unwise, very imprudent to take such a big panga with India or to have India as a hostile power. Because Maldives and India, have had a much stronger umbilical relationship than Maldives can ever develop with China. And China is not known to be particularly kind to small nations as well, particularly when they become members of BRI, which Maldives did become. In all of this situation, possibly, possibly, Mohamed Muizzu is also taken aback that this has, this has gone out of control. And chances are, and I am hoping that he might dial back and try to and try to do the repair. work. at the same time, it's been taken note of in the quote-unquote right places, our favorite publication in the world, Global Times for example. Global Times has done a couple of commentaries on this right away because they are jubilating. They are so thrilled. One, because Mohamed is built an anti-India platform and one on this. Remember, Maldives has among the most, most important geostrategic bits of real estate in the Indian Ocean. That's why the Chinese are happy with that. Second, that he's going to China before he's gone to India. That's a clear rebuff to India. Third, because he sent India's military personnel away, it's all of 75 people. It's not as if it wasn't even a company of soldiers, company strength strength equivalent. Just 75 people mainly to maintain those helicopters and that dornier and also to run that, also to build and run that new. Sensor facility, whatever it was, those have been turned away. So, so, the Chinese have reasons to be thrilled, and now they are doubly thrilled because the, because this kerfuffle is broken out on social media. So, Global Times writes, and I quote from Global Times, that Moizu coming to Beijing, this is a peace welcoming. Moizu coming to Beijing, it only, and I quote, it only demonstrates Mr. Moizu is treating India with a normal mindset, and. And steering the relationship between the Maldives and India to normal state-to-state relationship, and that is why they notice. Global Times notices that he's made a break. He's made a break in tradition. Then Global Times and another commentary goes on to say that look, Maldives is a normal country. It's a decent country. China and Maldives have decent relationship based on our mutual uh, respect for each other. But for some people, particularly strategic minds in India and the Western countries see it differently and I quote again from Global Times from the other article that for them, for these scholars and these thinkers, strategic minds in India and the Western countries, Maldives is just a piece of meat, just a piece of meat in the struggle between India and China and these minds will be relieved only when Maldives complies with India. Now as we talk, we need to also understand Maldives a little bit better. Maldives is a member of the South Asian community, but unlike most countries in South Asia, it is a very small population. We know that we have another small population country that is Bhutan and I I am saying this in particular because countries in our region, Indian subcontinent, I always prefer to use the subcontinent to, to. South Asia, because South Asia, I think, is a a usage that came up in the US State Department and probably in the think tank circuit at one point. I I don't like that very much, so I prefer the Indian subcontinent. If you look at the Indian subcontinent, then yes, Bhutan also is a small population country, but even that is a couple of lakhs or at least a lakh and a half more than Maldives. So Maldives is the second smallest population in all of Asia, the smallest being Brunei. So, smallest is Maldives. Maldives is is spread out. A lot of its population is in the capital city of Malé. In the capital city of Malé, which is just 8.3 square kilometers, I think I said at some point earlier that the first time I went to Malé in 1988, to cover that coup, I think I was in the second or third Indian Air Force aircraft uh, with the commandos because they took a bunch of Press people, I wasn't the only one. The Indian Armed Forces took not just Indian journalists but also some foreign journalists also to show what they were doing. On that visit, I, I was surprised to see how small the capital city, Malay was. It was so small. Remember, it was a long time back. I wasn't this old. At that point, even I could run coast to coast in about 4 to 5 minutes. It is that small. Now it's got very congested. The island obviously can't grow. It's got very congested. It's gone a little bit higher. It is now among the most thickly populated cities in the world. In fact, if you look at the ranking of cities in terms of how thickly they are populated, Malé would rank 23rd in the world. And when I say Malay would rank 23rd in the world, Manila of course is number one. From, from the subcontinent, Kathmandu will be the first to feature at number 6, then Dhaka at number 7, Kolkata at number 16 and Malay at 23. That's because a lot of population, it's a magnet for Maldivian population. A lot of the Maldivian population has come to live in in the city of Malay. Now there are things we need to understand about Maldives. Maldives among all our neighbors, among all our neighbors, among all the countries in this subcontinent, Maldives is the most Islamic country in the world. In fact, if I may put it like that, Maldives would be probably among the most Islamic countries in the world. Most Islamic in the sense of ha- having Muslims as the percentage of population. If you look at the population of Maldives, almost 99% of them, 99% are Sunni Muslims. See Pakistan, see Bangladesh. Bangladesh is almost 7 to 8 percent, if not a little bit more, of Hindus. It also has a bunch of Christians and Buddhists, particularly in the Chittagong Hill tract area. So, to that extent, Bangladesh is heavily, has a vast Muslim majority, but also has a large percentage of other faiths. And similarly, in Pakistan, a lot of Hindus, Christians and Sikhs live there. You want to look at the countries, other Islamic countries, Iran has some people of other faiths. Turkey, some people have other faiths, but more importantly, a lot of expats expats also live and work there. They may not be citizens, but they live and work there. The Arab countries of the Gulf, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Kuwait, they are filled with expats and outsiders who work there. They are not citizens, but they work there. In most of those countries and increasingly in more of those countries, you are also allowed now, you have the freedom to pray as you wish. UAE, as we know, has built a Hindu temple as well and, and, and this is happening elsewhere also. Maldives is 99%, in fact, more than 99% Muslim. At last count, I see some data somewhere that said that there were, they were about 1400 Christians. Now, I don't know where those 1400 Christians are hiding or whether they even declare themselves a Christian or not. Because under Maldivian, under Maldivian constitution, you cannot have any faith other than Islam. Again, under Maldivian constitution, practice of any other religion is forbidden and that's a trouble a lot of the tourists. Tourist means a lot of the particularly celebrity types who think that I will go and get married in Maldives. They have trouble because even in the resorts, it's difficult to hold a religious ceremony which is not an Islamic religious ceremony. Do a closer reading of the Maldivian constitution. It says the republic is based on Islam and no law contrary to any principle of Islam can be applied. So far so good. And that's why they also say no non-Muslims can ever become citizens. That's why I, I wonder where these 1400 Christians are. And if these 1400 Christians even exist, that will be only about 0.3%. That will take, still take the Muslim population above 99%. And most outsiders who work, most outsiders who work, work on the islands away from Malay and away from inhabited islands, islands inhabited by Maldivian populations. Because most of the expats, in fact, almost all of the expats, barring the diplomats and the, and the foreign embassy staff in Malay, all of the others live on resort islands. These resort islands were always uninhabited islands which have been allowed to be developed into resorts now. So those are those are like republics of their own in their own right. You can drink there, you can hold parties there, you can dance on the beach, you can pose in your swimwear. In fact, a lot of the influencers do it and that's how a lot of the resorts actually take Indian celebrities also there to post pictures of themselves or reels of themselves on Maldives beaches to promote the resorts. All of those are tagged to the resorts. On those resorts, a different life persists. That has nothing to do with the Maldives real life. So one country, two systems. Remember, you've heard that before. That is what the Chinese said when they said that they will take over Hong Kong. Hong Kong will come to them from the British in 1997. But after that, they will not change anything in Hong Kong because they will follow one country, two systems. It will be one country, but Hong Kong will have one system, China will have the other. Slowly, they've been trying to bridge the gap, if I can call it that. Maldives, at the same time, also similarly runs a one country, two systems business, which is one set of rules in Malay and other on other inhabited islands, islands inhabited by Maldivian population and a completely different system for the resort islands. And resort islands are spread very far and wide. The fact is that because Maldives bars constitutionally bars any mode of worship other than Islam, this runs contrary to Article 18 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And again, again Maldives signed up the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights where again, Article 18 runs contrary to Maldives' policy. So, Maldives, and how did Maldives sign up to that agreement, to that covenant? So Maldives did sign up the international covenant on civil and political rights, and its policies then run, run contrary to it. But Maldives itself put a rider while signing it and said, nothing will be done here, which is that or whatever they are doing there will be without prejudice to the Constitution of Maldives. So they have not made any concessions in that area. The Maldives lately has become a beneficiary also of the war in Ukraine. Because of the war in Ukraine, a lot of the richest Russian oligarchs, they don't know where to hide because many other countries will not let them bring their yachts there. or many other countries, even 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 if they took their yachts there, have extradition treaties with the US, with the Western world. So they could be they could be shipped out there. They don't want that. They, they, don't, they don't want to risk extradition. So many of them have brought their yachts also in, in the Maldives. Once again, it doesn't, doesn't affect Maldives's own population. All of these stay in the resort islands. Knowing these guys, some of these could actually rent the entire islands and they may, they may be doing that as well. Now, we've all noted these calls to boycott tourism in Maldives and Indians sh- Indian should stop going there. Indians should be free to go wherever they want and they can, ma- they can make these decisions. At the same time, we need to understand some basic facts. These basic, fa- basic facts include, number one, that tourism is a bulk of Maldives' income. So, what they do is they keep their tourism away from their population in these formerly uninhabited islands and then earn from that tourism so all of that comes in the exchequer in the process Maldives is per capita income at this point is almost two and a half times as high as India's at this point it's about seven thousand dollars most of it would be tourism income now if Indians stop going there how many Indians will stop going there last year Maldives got about 1.7 and a half million 70 lakh 57 thousand satra lakh Satamanazar, that many tourists. So a country of less than 6 lakh people. That means for each Maldivian, they got 3 tourists. Important thing is all these are upper crust tourists because it's very expensive to be a tourist in Maldives. One, there is the airfare but also Maldives does not allow cheap group travels. So Maldives would not allow in its islands. What happened to Goa, for example, which is large groups of foreign tourists coming in at very low cut prices. Maldives does not allow that. So all these resorts are very expensive. It's impo- expensive to get there. The boat charges are high. There are lots of seaplanes flying there. Those are all very expensive. The kind of tourism Maldives has really means that it's a playground of the rich. Rich of the or of the very upper crust. So, of these 17,57,000 people, Indians, but just about 2 lakhs. So, it's a lot of people. Tourism from India is very important for Maldives but this will not kill Maldives' economy. We have to understand that. Second, where do the well-to-do Indian tourists go if they want want the sea experience? Of course, they can go to Goa, they can go to west coast, east coast, wherever India. India has very large seaboards on both sides and many of those areas are incredibly, beautiful and have very good facilities also. But the fact is going to an island, the experience of a lagoon, that is different. And that is, where, that is where India at this point does not quite have alternatives. So lakshadweep has been spoken about and somehow this also got triggered when Prime Minister Modi went to Lakshdweep. And pictures of him snorkelling and lounging by the seaside appeared. And that's when some of these comments appeared. From the Moldavian side, but the fact is, Lakshwip, beautiful as it is, is very small. It's 36 islands. In fact, used to be 36. Now it's 35 because one of those islands has gone underwater already. So 35 islands for now. So 35 islands for now, with the island called Pareli already submerged, and we don't know what will happen because these islands are only just a meter, mostly meter, two meters above the sea. So these are really threatened by global warming as is as is all of Maldives and that's why one of the former presidents of Maldives Nasheed he had held his cabinet meeting underwater to, to draw attention to global warming and the threat these communities faced or these regions faced. So so of the 35 35 islands that still exist in the Lakshdweep group, Lakshdweep group is part of the larger Chagos, Chagos in the south, Chagos is where Nico Garcia is, Chagos Maldives, Lakshadweep, that ridge. This is basically, these islands have come up as a result of a sunken, of a sunken mountain range. That is the chagos lakadweep or chagos lakshadweep mountain range. In fact, there has been a bit of trouble in Chagos Islands also because Chagosians are asking for their rights and there's a, there are questions about who will continue to operate from Diego Garcia. We have actually featured this Twice in cut the Clutter and I will share those links with you with the descriptions. With the description, so please do check it out. Now, of these islands in, in Lakshadweep, of the 35 islands, only only 10 are inhabited, and those 10 also have very little population. The total population would be just about 70,000 now. In 2011 census was 64,000. We haven't had a census since then. But we also need to note that Lakshadweep also has a very low birth rate just about 1.4%. So its population is not really increasing increasing and this is spread out a bulk of it a lot of it will be will be in kavarati which is the capital. Again see how small these islands are. All of these islands together all of these islands together add up to land area only of only 32 km square. Only 32 km square. Of these, most of these are very small. So, see the island on which the airport is located that is Agati. See the picture. If you see the, the airstrip, then either side you can throw a stone, it looks like it. You can throw a stone and hit the water, it is that narrow. It is really like an aircraft carrier. Now, not far from it also is the island of Bangaram. Bangaram is the island uninhabited, which, has, which was the first to be developed as a tourist resort. And that is where we've seen Mr. Modi. The rest is really not neither developed, not yet opened up. And traveling from one island to the other, these islands are spread over a 300-kilometer area. So to develop these, to get enough people from India to go there, to have facilities for them, will take time. So some will come up. It looks like a couple of resorts will come up over the next two-three years. What I see on the other hand is that as focus shifts, and I'm hoping that one upshot and one good upshot of this crisis or this tension that has arisen between Maldives and India will be that india will begin to focus on its own island zones for too long have our islands been ignored in fact our islands instead of being seen as opportunities they they've been seen as as liabilities as some as as territories that india has to protect so while lakshadweep will be developed and some Indian tourists will start going there, hopefully some foreign tourists will start going there because we have seen a massive decline in foreign tourist arrivals in India. If I just look at official figures, between 2019, last year's tourist arrivals in India, foreign tourist arrivals in India compared to 2019, that is the year before Covid came, foreign tourist arrivals are down 44% in India, so maybe more foreign tourists will also come to these lakshadweep resorts but importantly they will be a collateral benefit which is that Islands on the other side, which is islands on the other side, which is islands to the east, the entire Andaman Nicobar range. That is 571 islands. Once, once some of those are developed as resorts, one island was opened up last year by government of India. It was it was barred to, to outsiders. That was opened up, and, and and I believe a resort is coming up there, and more come up there, also. Port Blair is a well-connected airport. Maybe more flights can start there. And that is where if more facilities come up, more Indians can start traveling. That is 571 islands. 37 of these islands are already inhabited. And India does not even have the kind of challenge that the Maldivians do, which is, which is having to build one country, two systems. Because in India, the same law, the same system, the same social norms will apply to everybody.